here I was, you know, very early on in this trip across the country where I don't really know who I am. And this is one of the scariest things I've ever done. You know, I'm living out of my car as a 20 year old and hiking and cooking dinner on, on my trunk bed. <laughs> and, you know, I realized like, wow, like, yeah, doing this is my, this is my scary thing that is the only right next step for me. You know, I don't know where it's going to lead, but it's where the life is today. And I think often where the life is in our lives is often scary to choose. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Connect with Confidence, or welcome if you're joining us for the first time. So I'm super excited to be introducing you to Emily Doberstein, who I have met only on Zoom, but Lyndon had the absolute delight of meeting Emily in Spain as they were walking across the country. So Emily, welcome. Thank you for joining us here in this conversation today. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so excited to dive into some some meaty some meaty subjects. <laughs> we do talk about <clears throat> we do talk about all kinds of things. I have just been in awe of you know what I've learned about your journey, and of course, Lyndon has shared so much of his. And you know, there's nothing like getting out of the comfort zone, and and to use the line from your book title, "The Courage to Go." What happens when we go? When we leave the comfort zone? and take a big walk or <laughs> any kind of adventure you know so for me maybe it's been getting on a plane rather than walking a thousand right. miles so tell us a little bit of your background and how we came to connect because of your walk through Spain my walk across Spain was a shorter one um, I only had time for about nine days of walking I think it was a hundred and something miles that time okay but around I think on day two of walking I was just kind of in my head, just enjoying the beautiful rural Spain scenery. And I, I think, I think Lyndon wasn't in front of me and I, I had walked up and I don't remember how, who started the conversation, but we were just kind of like, Hey, you know, how are you? You know, how's your day going? Cause that's just how the Camino is. Everyone is family. As long as you can kind of speak the same language. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we were, we were walking along and, uh, at first, you know, we're doing the normal introductory conversational things, you know, where are you from? What, how do you spend your time? Da, da, da. And then uh, I think pretty soon we realized that we both were not surface level people. And so very quickly we were in, in the depths. <laughs> and I remember yes. the, the point at which we realized we were on really similar pages was that uh, Lyndon kind of like, got quiet for a minute and he was like, well, ha have you um, listened to, and then he paused for a second and he like just trying to decide if he was going to say it or not. And he was like, have you listened to the liturgists? <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, yes, like that podcast has been a really important companion in my kind of spiritual journey. Um, yeah. Uh, and that was kind of when we realized like, oh yeah, we have a really similar background, you know, growing up in um, a pretty traditional form of church and kind of going on this journey of questioning and critiquing the worldview we were handed and trying to find God in the midst of that and ways to be more loving and inclusive humans as we walk the spiritual path, which doing that on one of the most famous spiritual um, 
walks in the world was really cool. It was it was definitely the re- the right context to have that conversation and meet someone in. Yeah, um, that's amazing. Yeah. And it is really when you start talking about podcasts or books or music that you're listening to that it it just shares something of you that can really take the conversation in a very focused direction and a very real honest because the podcast that you guys were referring to is very honest and so you go okay I can have a real conversation with this person um but we don't know unless we have that moment of just asking hey have you heard of this or that or um yeah what have you been reading lately so that's really cool and I guess you would have met other people like that you know and, and very different conversations also tell me about some of the other people that you met as you were walking across Spain yeah another really dear friend that I met or do dear friend it was Lyndon and I had been walking together for a few days but this was one of the gaps when he I think he was ahead of me or something or we had slept in different towns and gotten split up for a couple days and I met this uh pair of women their names were um Kira and Grace and we kind of met in a really similar way uh we were we were sitting on two opposite sides of an outdoor cafe. I was just having a cup of coffee after a long day of walking and they had bought um, some really gourmet local cheese from the market and they had a bottle of wine, which is very common um, for folks to spend their afternoons doing after walking on the Camino all day. And they're like, Hey, you know, we bought some, we bought some wine and cheese. Like, do you want to join? And so I joined in and very quickly, um, we learned that we had really similar backgrounds just in questions that we had asked, like in becoming women, becoming adults, um, yeah. and all the complicated journeys that come with that, especially in a society which gives you a very narrow view of what beauty is and what being a woman is and what being an independent adult looks like and just our journeys with becoming the people that we are outside of these narrow constructs that societies place on us, which say, you know, women in their 20s shouldn't be romping around Spain, living their independent lives, following their dreams. You know, they should be more tidy and neat and at home and all, you know, these things that we were raised with. So it was really cool. Um, to just connect and it actually turns out that a few months or maybe about a, maybe like two months ago um, I happened to get on Facebook and saw that Grace had moved to my town. Wow. So yeah Grace Grace is from California but um, I had I think she had ordered my she had ordered my book and I was I didn't recognize her name but I was like it kind of looks familiar like is that Grace from the Camino and so I was checking on Facebook to see if it was and she had recently changed her job to working for a company that I knew was in Asheville and so I reached out and I was like hey I think you moved to my town (laughs) like do you you want to meet up for dinner (laughs) so um yeah we the last time we saw each other was when we said goodbye in um in Spain after we had made it to Santiago 
and we never thought we would see each other again. And then we just met up at a local taco joint. And we were like, hey, remember that one time when we just walked across Spain together and became really good friends? That's um, amazing. And it all started yeah. with wine and cheese and, and sharing that. Uh, so that is, that is beautiful. And she moved literally across the country from California to yeah. North Carolina. Yeah. Wow. yeah, and she just randomly found this job and decided to come. Yeah. Wow. And back to your road trip. So you drove from pretty much one side of the country to the other. Yeah. Yeah. So started, I was living the in opposite Boone, North Carolina. Opposite right. Of yeah. The opposite of Grace's, of Grace's <laughs> journey. Yeah. So I, I got in my car in, um, in Western North Carolina in a little town called Boone, North Carolina. It's where I attended college for a couple of years. Um, and I started driving west and I didn't have a very set plan. I didn't know how long I was going or when I was coming back. Um, yeah. What what my my book cover says is that, you know, I was going and that that's all that mattered. I knew yeah. that I just needed to get away. Um, I had experienced some pretty traumatic things in my life that year between a toxic relationship and also kind of coming to the realization that um, the Christian faith I had been handed didn't really work for me anymore. Mm. And I, I was in a leadership position in a church where my questions weren't really welcome. And I didn't really feel safe to be who the person that I was on the inside, which can be really isolating for anyone, especially someone that is not super healthy because of a toxic relationship. Yeah. So you were 20? Yeah, I was 20. And you have all of these questions and not really the the safe place to to ask them yeah right. so yeah so then you decided you needed to go and so could you have identified what it was that you were looking for in your going when I left I I don't think I I knew I don't think I knew what I needed because it had been so long since I had really even looked inside of myself. I had, I was doing whatever I could to kind of repress and ignore what was going on inside of me, which what did not lead to me being a healthy version of myself by any means. Mm. But I think, I think I knew that I needed to heal and that um, the path to that healing wasn't very clear, but I knew that I needed to get away from my just physical circumstances in in Boone to be able to start to break down um, these walls that I had built up both, you know, to my own heart, but also to the divine, to love, to just life in general. Um, I, I had been really just skeptical and pessimistic and apathetic. Um, and I just needed this kind of like fog that had kind of come over my eyes to be dissolved. and. And that trip definitely brought that for me, which is really cool. Yeah. And I can imagine people in your world, some people might understand that you needed to go, that you needed to heal, and other people might have said you're just running away. Uh, did you mm -hmm. have that? Did you have the kind of assumptions from people? Or did you feel supported in your going? I felt supported, but mostly because I didn't really tell anyone why I was going. So another big part of my kind of internal journey in the book is that I, I hadn't shared really with anyone where I was at internally um, before I had left. So I kind of 
gave folks this this shell that or this mask that I wore on the outside, you know, this very put together, confident person that has it all together and is super excited about this fun, adventurous road trip, which I was in part, but I on the inside, I was terrified and um, insecure and fearful and uncertain and lonely and mm. sad and anxious and all of these things that one feels when they experience trauma. Mm. But because I didn't show that part of myself, no, it didn't really give people room to be skeptical. They just saw this confident, you know, young, adventurous 20 year old taking a cool trip. Yeah. Which part of writing this book was to be able to kind of tell the truth yeah. of that season for the first time, to kind of invite people into what really was going on inside of this external narrative that they saw maybe through photos or through hearing, you know, what it was like when I got back. Yeah. So what was it like then for people to read your book and discover like, oh my gosh, Emily, you were going through so much that we had no idea of. Yeah. It's it publishing this book, I think has been the most terrifying thing I've ever done <laughs> because yes. um, it is very much like kind of publishing the depths of your soul for the public to either enjoy or rip apart at its leisure. So, you know, like I, once it's out there, I don't have control over it anymore. And I, I think in the beginning, there were all of these fears of like, well, you know, what are these people going to think about me? Or am I going to get hateful pushback because I critique, you know, more harmful forms of Christianity in the book? Um, or, you know, what, what is, what's my family going to think when they find out that, you know, I, I did this thing or thought that thing because they definitely didn't know all of the intricacies of where I was at. But thankfully, very soon after publishing the book um, and just getting feedback from people and so many thank yous and you put words to everything I've ever thought or my family saying like, oh my gosh, I understand so much more now, you know, why you were the way you were then. It just led to a lot of really awesome like reconciliation and healing and solidarity, which is why I wrote this book in the first place. So that was able to kind of like dissolve this doubt in my story and in you know what it means to be vulnerable because yeah. it requires a lot of courage to for anyone to put that out there and so I, I kind of wanted to model to model that like even though it's still terrifying it's still worth it to be vulnerable and to tell the truth about our stories yes. um, regardless of the implications of what that can mean in our relationships um yeah. Yeah. Wow. And you know, you come on a podcast and you just have a conversation and you say what you say, but with a book, you can go back and edit it and go, Oh gosh, I was really raw there. Like, I think I told too much. Do I, do I trim this out? You know? Um, yeah. And I think whatever book we publish, it is really vulnerable. You know, mm -hmm. my first book, I, I put it out and then it was like, oh, oh my gosh, I've shown people because I, I put like a 5.30 a.m. Um, journaling insight that was like so much my my vision for humanity. And then it feels like, oh my gosh, am I really sharing this? You know, but I think with each book I've got bolder and bolder, but uh, I totally relate to what you're saying because it's extraordinary that you have written so courageously. I guess the whole message is courage <laughs> you know having the courage to go having the courage to ask all the hard questions and it, yeah. it's incredible what comes on the other side of that courage but 
initially it is terrifying so um yeah. Yeah, big congratulations and hugs and high fives from here. And I'm curious, Emily, yeah, I, I know how a conversation with a stranger can unlock extraordinary insight. And so I'm wondering, can you tell us about really unexpected moments where you encountered somebody in your travels that may have shifted something for you or, you know, pointed you in a fresh direction? Yeah. So on in Chapter 4 of The Courage to Go, um, I was in Little Rock, Arkansas. And I... I just feel like cool things happen at Little Rock, Arkansas. It's just like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it is, but just the name of that. I, and I've heard it before. Just yeah. I like sense of adventure already. Please continue. <laughs> so I, I knew that, you know, in a, in a few weeks or once I had gotten to California, I was going to be doing some pretty serious backpacking. And so I was like, oh, well, I should probably go for a hike, you know, like start to get in shape, start to prepare for my more intense backpacking trips once I got out west. And so uh, there was one mountain in, or one state park in Little Rock. And so it was an easy choice. And I, I drove there and hiked the more strenuous trail. And as I was hiking up, I was huffing and puffing. I was like, how do people do this? It was kind of up this like scrambling wall of boulders. <laughs> this guy just comes bounding up like a little mountain goat. Like he'd done this hike a million times. And we didn't talk then, but once we, once I got to the top, he was still kind of resting on the summit. And he's like, hey, like my name's Steven. Would you like me to take a photo of you up here? And I was like, Oh, sure. So I'm like wiping sweat, you know, dig out my camera from my, from my, um, from my backpack. And he takes a photo and we end up walking down the mountain together. And turns out that he was in pharmaceutical school and he knew that, you know, it was, it was a pretty guaranteed career to make him some money in the United States. Like, you know, it's a very secure path. Like there's, there's a lot of job availability, but his passion was naturopathic medicine um, and he, you know, more herbal medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, which is not taught in traditional pharmaceutical school in the States. Yeah. Um, so he was, he was kind of sharing this like huge, you know, tug of war between these two sides of himself, you know, the side that wants comfort and that wants to make his parents proud and the side of him that wants to do what he actually believes in, like in, you know, the depths of his soul. And in that conversation, you know, as I was kind of processing with him and asking him questions, this, this idea kind of came in my mind um, when doing the scary thing is the only right next step. Yeah. And so I, I kind of said that to him, but it was one of those scenarios where like, as I was saying it, I was also saying it for myself too, Yeah, which was really cool to, to kind of, you know, meet him in this really transitional time of his life where he was trying to decide, you know, am I going to stick to this path of the one right way to do medicine in America, or am I going to really follow my heart and you know, move to Asia for a year and study things that I'm really interested in and and then here I was, you know, very early on in this trip across the country where I don't really know who I am. And this is one of the scariest things I've ever done. You know, I'm living out of my car as a 20 year old and hiking and cooking dinner on, on my trunk bed. <laughs> and, you know, I realized like, wow, like, yeah, doing this is my 
this is my scary thing that is the only right next step for me. You know, I don't know where it's going to lead, but it's where the life is today. And I think often where the life is in our lives is often scary to choose. And so that was, yeah, just a really cool connection with a stranger that brought out this really great insight, I think, for both of us. And yeah, that was really meaningful to me. Yeah, that's the power of a conversation and and just being where you're at because, yeah. you know, if he was to go and seek advice, he'd probably go to somebody, you know, who's older, who's a mentor, you know, and, and that can be fantastic. But sometimes to share with somebody else who's also, you know, in a bit of a mess, you know, a bit confused and I don't know where I'm going, you air these thoughts together and, uh, you know, like spark different outcomes for both of you. Yeah, it's powerful to get another perspective from um, somebody who doesn't know you or have any expectations of you. Yeah. Right. And how much hiking did you do in this road trip? Was it um, something you originally set out to do? Yeah, so I, I had kind of fallen in love with hiking through living in Boone in the mountains of North Carolina. Um, the Appalachian Mountains are beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so I knew that I wanted to do a lot of hiking along my way. And so the hiking in Little Rock was not planned, but I, um, I did have plans to do some backpacking in Yosemite National Park. And so I did about four days of hiking there. And then um, I ended up hiking all the way to the bottom of the Grand Canyon, which wow. was a very large physical endeavor. So backpacked down and then camped for a night and then hiked halfway up and camped and then hiked the rest of the way up, which was very hard and steep and hot. Um, And then went to Zion National Park and did a few hikes there and then um, a few other national parks in Utah and Colorado. Hiked my first, we call them, or in the States, people refer to mountains above 14,000 feet as 14ers and hiking your first 14er is a really big deal. Yeah. I don't know if that's a thing globally, but um, so I was able to hike my first 14er in Colorado. That was kind of like the big, the last big hike of the trip, which was really cool. Did not get altitude sickness, which was a good thing. Okay. Um, yeah, that's good. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, one of, one of my favorite elements of kind of the, the, the external narrative of the trip is, is me kind of incorporating what it looks like to be a novice backpacker. You know, I, yeah. I very yeah. much include all the things that I did wrong and um, all the assumptions that I made of like what it, would, what it would look like, but what it actually turned out being. And there was, there was a lot of what I call type two fun where things are not necessarily fun in the moment and they might involve a little bit of pain or discomfort or suffering. Um, but they end up being fun in retrospect, you know, a a few months down the road when you're looking back and you're like, Oh yeah, that was a good time. So yeah, the, the hiking, the hiking parts of, of the book were, were definitely some of my, my favorites. Yeah, that's really cool. And, And I'm thinking like you're interacting with strangers, you're sleeping out in the open and uh, mm-hmm. so I'm curious about your perception of strangers. Did you grow up with the, you know, don't talk to strangers philosophy or did you always feel open to connecting with strangers? Yeah, I mean, I think that I was handed what most young girls are handed, I think, as far as like, you know, 
be very careful at playgrounds, you know, never go up to someone's car, make sure that if you ask for help, you ask a woman and not a man, you know, I was, I was very aware of the very necessary awareness of, of safety, you know, being in, being a woman. But outside of that, you know, my, I, I didn't fear people necessarily. Like I, I wasn't, I wasn't a very shy kid, but I was kind of raised in a little bit of a bubble. You know, I, I, I was very involved in church, like within Christianity, but that was kind of my only community growing up, which unfortunately led to a lot of biases against people that were not, you know, of that population. Um, And so even though consciously I didn't think that, you know, Oh, I don't, I don't trust them because they're a stranger. I did have all of these kind of barriers that I had been taught to put up against people that didn't believe the things that I had believed or look the way that I did or speak the way that I did. And, you know, in my, in my early twenties, when I took this, this trip, this was a huge realization of mine, you know, oh my gosh, like I've lived my whole life only surrounded by people that, that look like me and think like me. And that's been very comfortable, but that's not the life that I want to live. And so I think this trip was really the first time that I questioned that. And I questioned this, this image of America that I had been handed, which in reality was a very just small fraction of what America was. And so, you know, as I was driving across the country, I was able to see for the first time, you know, how diverse culturally and geographically our, that the United States is, which was really, um, I think, important for me in my early adulthood to recognize like, oh, I do, I do need to question, you know, what it means to be an American and what it means to be a privileged white woman that was raised in the South um, mm. and you know, all of the things that, that come with that. Yeah, so I, th- I think that, that this trip was kind of my first nudge into the beauty of connecting with strangers or connecting with just other people that you come in contact with every day, whether that be through an actual conversation or whether that just be through an intentional moment of eye contact and just like, you know, really seeing each other opposed to rushing along and pretending that other people don't exist, which I feel like in the busyness of college, like that had just kind of become the norm, you know, I had to worry about me and everybody else didn't really like, it was too much energy to spend, you know, paying attention to much else. And unfortunately, like in the United States, that's, that's a huge theme for many folks, Um, you know, a very individualist society where everything is about me, 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 me. And people really miss out on this beautiful connection that can come with the person next to you on the bus or the person that's checking you out at the grocery store, you know, all of these moments that really make life the gift that it is. And yeah. So I, I think that it kind of opened my eyes to this whole other level of connection that I've been missing out of. And I just craved more of it. Yes. Yeah. So I'd like to, I just want to read something, but also I'd like to ask you about, you know, someone you met who was, very different to you either in appearance or um, you know background or you know thinking that might have really shifted your perspective because you know I think what you've just described there it's uh it's so valuable to realize oh this way of seeing the world is not how everyone sees the world (laughs) this is yeah um and I love um what I'm going to read is like your dedication 
for those who need help living into the hope that healing is possible for those who are questioning the one right way they were handed and feel isolated and alone for those who wish to feel seen in the midst of their grief for those who have lost or needed to leave something that once defined them for those who have been hurt by the worldview they were handed and for those who don't understand how their worldview could hurt people i think this is so incredible mm -hmm. emily and you know twice you've used that phrase of like something that was handed to you and mm -hmm. uh, so you you've taken what you've been handed and it's like just put that to the side for a moment you know we can do that respectfully but look at what else is there yeah. so tell us who else shifted your perspective and maybe handed you a new perspective yeah the person that i'm that i'm thinking of actually um was not on on my trip that my book is about is that okay to tell that story totally yeah people yeah so um, this was in 2018 i had quit my job at the end of 2017 and booked a one-way ticket to New Zealand and ended up backpacking through New Zealand and Australia and Southeast Asia the first half of that year. And I was in Bali and I, have you heard of couch surfing? Is that familiar to you? Sorry, what is it? Couch oh, surfing? Oh, couch surfing, yes. Yeah, so I, um, I was couch surfing with some of the some local Balinese guys. Um, and one of their names was Adrian. And I, I was actually just getting over a foodborne illness. So I wasn't feeling very well, but he was like, Oh, well, like, sorry, you don't feel well. Let's, let's go to this local little like beach cafe and we'll just sit and talk and it'll be, it'll be more low key than, than having to go out on the town. And so I was like, yes, that sounds great. So um, we were talking and uh, Adrian, the, we were kind of just talking about our backgrounds and I shared, you know, I was raised pretty conservative Christian in America and I don't really line up with that anymore, but you know, this is where it has led me and this is kind of where I'm at now. And he shared, you know, he was like, I'm, I'm actually, you know, hesitant to say this because, you know, so many people that um, are raised Muslim get stereotyped in a certain way, especially by Americans, but you know, like I, I was raised Muslim and I only felt love towards him, you know, in our conversation, it was only connection and joy. But as we were talking, it just, it really hit me for the first time, you know, what people that grow up practicing Islam experience as far as the stereotypes that are placed on them. Yeah. Um, because I, I was, I was raised in a, in a rural town in Georgia where I, I didn't have the opportunity to meet any friends that grew up in, in the Muslim faith. And this was kind of like my first Muslim friend that was able to share, you know, yeah, this is what it's really like to grow up with this, you know, this religion that makes people think of you in a certain way and you want to show them that you're just a loving person that's trying to figure out life just like anyone else. Yeah. And yeah, so it was just cool that, you know, that me happening to connect with him through couch surfing um, and me staying with him and being welcomed into his home and us, you know, establishing that beautiful trust that comes with, 
with having connected relate or connected relationships and connected conversations, us being able to share it, you know, wow, like, I'm so sorry that has happened to you. And I'm so sorry, you know, people that practice my religion have perpetuated that stereotype onto you. And he was like, Oh, no, no, like, I'm not saying that that's what you do. And of course, I was like, Yeah, I understand. But like, I just think it was really important for, you know, me to meet Adrian and, you know, have yet another connection that breaks down this bias that I was handed in my religion. And for him to meet a loving person that was raised Christian that doesn't assume stereotypes about him. And so, you know, we were able to kind of break down each other's biases just through this random connection that we had found through couchsurfing, which I think was really cool. Yeah, it's amazing because you had the the couchsurfing connection, the the Bali connection, you were in the same place at the same time, but you also shared on other things that you had in common, like the the experience of having something handed to you that you didn't realize is not, you know, viewed the same the world over. And and you had in common that you were exploring and, and questioning and how do how do I see this? And uh yeah, that's that's a really incredible conversation that you know, it's just a conversation, but it's so powerful. It's such a shift. And I think when we're open to hearing another perspective and we look for the things that connect us rather than things that make us different, it's incredibly beautiful. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, yeah, I feel like we could talk for hours and uh, based on previous Zoom calls with Lyndon, uh, <laughs> we can talk for hours. <laughs> um, but for now, you know, we try and keep podcasts kind of brief. But let's encourage people to, um, our beloved listeners, can go to your Instagram. Is that the best place to follow? You've got some really beautiful photos and stories there. Yeah, yeah. My my Instagram handle is just em Dauberstein. Uh, yeah, we'll my, share it in the show notes. Um, yeah, and then and then I have I have a website which is where folks can find my book and all of my writing, um, and that's just www.emilydauberstein.com. That's awesome. Yeah, like you have such a gift for writing, and I think it what it is. Obviously, you've done a lot of writing because that's what makes it so good but you just write so honestly and that makes it so readable you know yeah um so just in terms of because I have a lot of listeners also that that want to connect with confidence through their writing not just their talking to strangers and speaking and there's so many different ways in which we connect but um to become more confident in writing and hitting publish on a blog or a um an Instagram post tell us about your journey to that confidence in writing? I think the biggest impact for me as far as gaining confidence with being vulnerable and being more radically honest in my writing, which are two things that I say all the time, you know, these are my huge values with my creativity, is just time and time again, having readers say, oh my gosh, like I didn't know other people felt this way, you know, or oh my gosh, me too. And I think it's it's just confirmation over and over again that, yes, all of our human experiences look different in a lot of ways. The roots of emotion and the ways that that interacts in our relationships and in our career pursuits and in our creative pursuits um, is, looks really similar a lot of the time. Um, and so I think a lot of the things that held me back from sharing in the beginning was worrying, you know, that 
I would lose love for being myself or that I would experience rejection by trying to be more open about this certain thing because, you know, well, I haven't heard people talk about this. So maybe that, maybe that means that no one else thinks this or no one else has experienced mm. and all of these lies that kind of we tell ourselves when things are combating our confidence. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that, like I said, the biggest thing is just, the solidarity that comes and the, the affirmation that comes when vulnerable pieces are shared because vulnerability breeds vulnerability and, you know, sharing a vulnerable piece invites readers to also be vulnerable and either through responding and saying, Hey, you know, I've experienced this too, or, Hey, I really resonated with this or just modeling a life of telling the truth can invite others into being more transparent in their own lives, even if that's just with their spouse or with, yeah. um, you know, in, at their job, you know, letting their coworkers know like, hey, I'm actually having a really bad day today or hey, I've struggled with this or hey, whatever it might be. Um, but there's, there's no way to invite others into connection with us unless we model a, a, a life of safe, safety and trust and vulnerability. Um, at least that's what I have found in my experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So it's not so much even that we think about the, the writing style or, you know, getting it correct grammatically, but we worry about what are people going to think when they read this? <laughs> and so, yeah. To, yeah, to overcome that with the courage that you have to share. Yeah, that's cool. And I think we just need to get started, don't we, just to write? Yeah. That can yeah. And, and not, and for me, you know, like I had never written a book before I didn't, and I had all of these assumptions, you know, well, this is what an author looks like and it's not me. Mm. And all that does is, you know, heap shame on ourselves and create even more roadblocks than there already are in the writing process. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and the, the fact that it's hard is normal. You know, I, I, I don't know anyone that has written a book and it was like, and they said, you know, yeah, that was the easiest thing I've ever done. Or even just, you know, sharing an honest blog post, you know, it's, it's not, it's, there are much easier lines of work to be involved in that don't require us to, to be yeah. vulnerable and open about our faults or insecurities or thoughts that don't line up with ma the mainstream society or whatever it may be. Yeah. So yeah. at that moment of decision, when you're going to let go of a piece of writing, like you're going to hit publish mm -hmm. or you're going to send it to someone, what's the thing that gets you over the line when you've got these voices in your head going, oh, no, don't send it? What's mm -hmm. just in one or two words, what's the, the theme or the thing that pushes you to hit send? Yeah, so uh, I read the Tao Te Ching a few years ago, and it became one of the most important kind of texts after a season of the Christian Bible not being really a source of safety for me anymore. I just needed to kind of put it down for a while, and I spent some time exploring other faiths, and anyway, found the Tao Te Ching, and it it's kind of a compilation of poetry and it's really short and simple. And there is this stanza in the Tao Te Ching that it just says, do your work and then step back. And that has been such 
a huge mantra of mine because mm-hmm. it, it makes it so simple. You know, all, all we can do in our lives is do the work that we feel called to that day and then take a step back because once, once you release it into the world or once, you know, you, you do whatever action in your career, um, you've done what you're called to do and what other people say or how it's received doesn't say anything about the kind of person that you are. And that really narrows it down for me, especially with writing, you know, when I'm waiting to, to hit publish on a blog post, you know, I think, you know, okay, all I have to do today is do my work and then step back. And this blog post is my work for today. And it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. And I think, you know, modeling that stepping back is kind of, you know, letting go of the control over how that piece interacts with the world, which is, the I think, one of the hardest things as a writer, because we don't get to control how it sits on a reader's mind or um, and we don't get to control if what we mean gets translated because words are complicated and they come with different contexts and people read them out of their own context. And if that's different than our context, it's going to mean something different. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Do your work and then step back. Yeah, that's powerful. Because even before you said that, you talked about assumptions and, and then this is a letting go. Yeah, so thank you for sharing that because it is about, you know, the letting go and your message is out there. So I just wonder, as we wrap up, is there anything that you'd like to share in terms of where you're at now and how are you seeing the world differently now and what's going on in your world? Yeah, so I am no longer living a transient life. (laughs) I'm no longer living out of a backpack like I was for quite a few years. Um, I I got married last year to the most beautiful partner in the world. His name's Peter. And so, yeah, life looks completely different than it did when five years ago when I, when I left on this road trip. Then I, I didn't know where I was going to live. I didn't know if I was even going to stay in North Carolina. But now here I am. I live in a house with my husband, which is still very new. Um, learning how to be married in the middle of a pandemic when we are forced to spend all of our time together is really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's been a really beautiful season of trying to figure out, you know, how to how to bring this adventurous woman that needs her independence into a more settled and rooted life. And there there are really beautiful ways that that I can do that through hiking and more short-term backpacking trips, but I also through all of my travels really missed long-term community. Um, because, you know, something about living a transient life where you're moving a lot or traveling a lot is that you don't always get to build long-term relationships. Mm. And I think that there are a lot of beautiful gifts in, in community. And I think that it's really the only way that I, as a person can thrive long-term. Um, so it's been really great to really establish community for the long, for, for the first time and without a clear end date and without a clear move date which is still scary to me because I've gotten really used to knowing when I was going to leave and when I was going to go on the next trip or whatever. But for now I'm, I'm here to stay and figuring out all of the new lessons that, that comes with living a life that, yeah, is more grounded and it's been, it's been really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And do you feel like the questions that you left with have been answered or have they changed 
I wouldn't say that they've necessarily been clearly answered, I, but I think I have just become more comfortable with the ambiguity. You know, I, I grew up in a community that thrived on certainty and having all of the answers. And now I live my life in, in the gray, in the in-between. And um, I feel like that's where I come most alive, which is a huge blessing because it used to terrify me and stress me out to say, I don't know. But um, I think one of the most freeing things that this kind of journey has led me to is the beauty in saying, I don't know, and how we can even find the divine in that space. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's a trusting and letting go. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for sharing all that you've shared. And uh, I, I think you've, you've given us so much to think about. It's, it's beautiful to consider the conversations that can really unlock insight. And, you know, whether it's talking to strangers or now uh, building community, there are different kinds of connections and that honest journey is such a beautiful example and an inspiration to have the courage to go wherever it is that we need to go and uh, yeah. to share what we need to share and ask what we need to ask. It's beautiful. So thank you so much for your time, Emily. And um, my friends, check out all the links and uh, yeah, you'll enjoy that book. Thanks again, Emily. We'll talk to you soon.